Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, we are starting, well, this is the second week of our marriage or our family series. And last week, uh, my wife gave the, the message and she did a phenomenal job. She, she stressed out two weeks beforehand, but good job, Audra. So today we are on our second uh, message, and we're going to be talking about marriage today. And I want to, on the front end, let you know that um, this is not marriage 101. This is probably going to be marriage uh, 401. Uh, We're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper in here. I do want to be very mindful that um, marriage conversations is is tough today in our world. Uh, If you face divorce, you know the pain of it. Um, if you are struggling in your marriage, you also know the pain of that. And uh, we want to, maybe you're here in this room, you're not married yet, and that's okay. You're going to learn some things that will uh, hopefully help you along the way. And um, there's a single guy who likes that. <laughs> Young girls, take note. He's a guy who wants to be married. And, uh, and then the other thing is, is if you are a, a person who has been divorced and, and you're saying, well, this is not going to apply to me, and you're sitting here today, you can say, you know what, but this information you can pass on to somebody else. So we're going to be talking about marriage. But before we get in there, I just want to read a few things to you. Um, so a husband and a wife were at a party chatting with some friends when the subject of marriage counseling came up. Nothing wrong with marriage counseling, by the way. Oh, well, we've never needed that. My husband and I have had a great relationship, the wife explained. He was a communications major in college, and I majored in theater arts. He communicates real well, and I just act like I'm listening. (laughs) So, um, husbands, wives, I'm sure one of you plays one of those roles. I wanted to share this other one here because it's kind of, uh, I'm hoping Audra does not do that. We, have a, we do have a good marriage. We have a lot of work that we still need to do in our marriage, by the way. But um, I'm hoping that she doesn't have uh, a little box in her closet, and I'll tell you why. The elderly pastor was searching his closet for his collar before church one Sunday morning. Thankfully, we don't do collars anymore. That would be awfully stuffy. Um, In the back of the closet, he found a small box containing three eggs and 100 $1 bills. He called his wife into the closet and asked her about the box and its contents. Embarrassed, she admitted having hiding the box for their entire 25 years of marriage. Disappointed and hurt, um, disappointed and hurt, the pastor asked her why. The wife replied that she didn't want to hurt his feelings. He asked her, how could the box have hurt his feelings? She said, well, that every time during their marriage that he delivered a poor sermon, she had placed an egg in the box. The pastor felt that three eggs, or that three sermons, three poor sermons in 25 years, was certainly nothing to feel bad about. So he asked her, what was the $100 for? She replied, each time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them to the neighbor for a dollar. (laughs) Wow, that's a lot of bad sermons. Well, this morning I'm hoping to not give you a bad sermon because I don't want my wife to be stashing any uh, eggs anywhere. Um, But marriage. Can you turn turn with me to your uh, Bibles? We're going to just read a few passages and then we're going to um, unpack them a little bit. We're going to start in Genesis. 
Genesis is the uh, first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I will have the scripture on the screen for you. The other ones I won't, so you'll have to flip through your Bible. Please bring your Bibles to church. It's a great way to underline some things, make some notes. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The reason why the Lord needed to make a helper, because us men need all the help we can get. Amen. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whether the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that God, the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is my bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man should leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. If you'll flip over to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, New Testament. Verse 22, Ephesians 5:22. I'm going to read it through 33. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Oh boy, here we go. Is this message really? What's this message going to be about? Oh, wives, how come you're not interested in that? All right, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, his body, and himself, its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives, husbands, in the same way that Jesus loved the church. We'll get into that. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, you'll, you'll re- remember this verse from Genesis, therefore a man should leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul, who writes this, says this is a mystery. And I'm going to unpack this mystery for us today, or at least I'm going to try. One more verse for you, and then we're going to unpack this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. This is Jesus' words. He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Okay, so let's start unpacking this a little bit. First of all, I want to let you know something that Otter and I determined early on in our marriage, that we were never going to use the D word. Do you know what the D word is? Divorce. We determined that we would never even say the word. We would even call it the D word, and it was just not, it was like a swear word in the house. We were never going to use it because it was never going to be an option for us. But I do understand that people have gone through life, and people even before Christians or even as Christians have known and experienced the pain of divorce. But for Audrey and I, we determined that we, when we made a commitment to Christ, when we, made, when we set our vows, it was going to truly be till death does a, do us part. But you, if you look at marriage as just a part of, hey, this is how we get through life, or this is what's important for you know, raising a family, or this is what is, you know, God's intended for us. Marriage in, in that way is okay, but I would also say that the mystery that, that Jesus is unpacking for us is marriage, he wants marriage to represent something very different than just, hey, we have, we're married, and we, we love each other, and we satisfy each other's needs, and we raise a family, and It's really about, he wants it to be a reflection of how Jesus really loves us. He wants it to be a reflection of what is actually transpiring in heaven. He's wanting to come to earth and he says, I want it to be a model, a reflection of his deep love that he has for his church. This is why he says sometimes it's a profound mystery because if we look at it just on a carnal way, if we look at it just on a human scale, we would say, oh, it's good to have a healthy marriage. It's good to have good communication. It's good, and those are good. But you have to look at what the purpose is. And the purpose is going to help set a standard even a little bit higher for us. And this is why I'm saying this is marriage 4.0 or 401. And as I was preparing for this and as I was praying, I really realized how short do I fall in loving my wife the way that Jesus loved the church. You see, many times in marriage, we come to looking at our spouse and we're saying, hey, we want you to get better. We want you to serve our needs more. We want you to to be beautiful. We want you to stay in shape. We want you to whatever you want your spouse to be. Meet my needs. But when you look at what Jesus has done, now husbands, see, we always love to, wives, submit to your husband. Well, oh, man, we love that one, don't we? Oh, okay, but men, you'd be pretty, your wives would be pretty easily submitted to you if you learned to love them as Christ loved the church. Let me just say. 
Because what did Jesus do for the church? While we were yet sinners, so before we were even perfect, before we even had our act together, before we even, you know, we're in the midst of our muck and mire, Jesus finds us, pursues us, and loves us so much that he's willing to die for us. I, I can have it a cheering section besides just Kalen and Phil over here. Thank you, guys. I, that really builds me up. I feel, I feel like I'm doing a good job. If anybody else wants to say any amen along the way, please feel free. Okay, amens. So, so we like to try to get our spouses all fixed up, don't we? We want them to kind of fall in line. We want them to do certain things. But Jesus, when he found us, we were still in the midst of not being put together. The challenging thing for me, and I'm looking in my relationship, being married 23 years, I'm realizing that, that maybe I, I can be sometimes critical. Just by nature, I see the details of things, and I, I could be a little bit critical. Don't say amen, hon. That's the time not to say amen. <laughs> but I realize that that Jesus was not critical at all. What did he do? He came and gave himself to people like you and I in the midst of our junk. And so what he did at that point in time, and then he said, this is why I read this scripture in Matthew. How did he come? I'm picking on the guys for a second. How did he come? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give him his life as ransom for many. For me, my love language is acts of service. I like to be served. My wife doesn't say, she doesn't think it's a love language. She just says, you want a maid. And it's not true. I just feel loved when, when she serves me. And, and so... But here's the thing, it could so very easily say, well, it's my wife who needs to serve me, but just a second, if I'm to live my life the way that Christ has, has lived himself for the church, how he gave himself for those who are yet to come to him, he served people. He served people. So men, you want to start living the way in your marriage that's going to reflect the nature of who Jesus is in relationship to his church, his bride, by the way. He uses all these marriage analogies that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. And then he talks about this mystery and how he wants marriages to reflect him and the church. It's a much higher standard that he's bringing us to, and we don't talk about it a lot in church. But I think the season that he, we are in as a church is he's wanting to mature us, he's wanting to grow us, and he's pointing at me first. He says, Mark, it's time to mature in this area of your life. So how am I serving my wife? How am I giving myself to her? How am I being attentive to her needs? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. He draws near to us. He's attentive to our needs. He sacrifices for us. When's the last time, husband, you've sacrificed for your wife? Because we're kind of selfish. 
I am. I need to grow in this area of my life. Wives, submit to your husbands. This idea of submitting is really not this a man's lording over his wife. By the way, when he first created us, he created a helper, which means he's wanting people to work together. It's not a lording over relationship. It is a partnership relationship. Husbands and wives partner together. But men, you have a responsibility to lead spiritually in your home. And the reason why he's asking a wife to submit, because there can only be one head in a home. And so what he's doing is he's saying, I'm setting an order, just as Jesus is the head of the church, men be head of, head of your family. And it's not a head to lord over, it's a head to being count, held responsible. Men, you are going to have to give an account before Jesus. This is some weighty talk I'm going to give you right now. Men, you're going to be held accountable when we meet Jesus face to face of how well you led your spouse, your wife, and your family. Really? Yes, really. Because he's told us that is our job in the word of God. And what does he ask us to do? Let's open up to that scripture again in, in Ephesians. Washing her with the word. What does that mean? That we need to lead our family spiritually. We better know what the word is if we're going to wash her with the word. And this whole idea of understanding that we, that we need to lead spiritually and, and, and carry the weight spiritually in our homes. Because it's going to be our job, just as Jesus is waiting for his church, he's maturing his church, that, that the bride will be presented to the bridegroom, Jesus, when he returns. By the way, Jesus is returning to this earth. Do you, do you realize this? And he wants to make us ready, and I feel like the season that he is, he's, he's maturing us, he's getting us ready. But he's also asking husbands, do this for your wives. In verse 27, chapter 5, Ephesians, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle. Remember, then he says, in the same way, everybody say same way, which means the same way that Jesus is functioning. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So think about this. How much time do we think about ourselves? How much time do we think about our own needs? And he's saying, no, 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 switch this. As much time as you think about you, think about your spouse. As much time as you're wanting somebody to serve you, you serve them. The responsibility is on the men, but for some reason, us men, we love to kind of shift the responsibility on the women and say, wife, just submit to me. If I read through the scripture, though, it is actually more of the, the instruction is on, on the guys. The instruction is on the guys. The only job the, the wife needs to make is, is learning how to follow the lead. But men, you're going to be held accountable of where you're leading your family. So if, if you're asking her to follow us, follow the lead, and that's all submitting is, it's not 
you know, make her your servant. It is, I'm leading, would you be willing to follow me? And her ability to follow, a lot of it has to do with the ability of how well you're leading. Verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The reality is this level of intimacy. If the worship team wants to come back up. The two shall become one flesh. In the very first reading that we had in Genesis, I love the idea of the closeness that God really desires to have in our marriages. He takes a rib. See, all the other things he created, he created out of the ground. He says he created them out of the dust of the earth. But when it came time to create Eve, he, he created it out of Adam's body. This closeness, this oneness. And then they said, and they were naked and not ashamed. This idea of, of just completely transparent with one another. The two shall become one flesh. Jesus, why does he say he hates divorce? Because it never was never intended. Because it's a reflection. If truly marriage needs to be a reflection of how Jesus wants to be with his bride, his church, it hurts him so much when, when his church runs away from him, when his church turns his back on him. When his church begins to do things that just begins to hurt the relationship. And that's why he's saying, you know, I don't want this to be a part of your life because it doesn't represent me. It doesn't represent the kingdom well. In response to this message this morning... Um, this might be just for me, but I think it's probably not just for me. But I feel just a, a time of reflection, but a time to repent. For me, I, I was challenged that God was really saying, Mark, you're not living that way. You're not loving your wife the way that I love the church. Mark, you don't do a good enough job serving Audra. You, you don't do, yes, I, I spiritually lead her home, but the idea of serving her, I got to work on that one. So God was just saying, you know, repentance is not a bad thing. It's just when you, when you come face to face with scripture that is contrary to the way that you're living, the thing you need to do is humble yourself and come to the place of saying, God, that's, that's not right. The way I'm living is not right. Please forgive me. And, and I repent. And repentance, all that word means is I'm going to turn from the way I'm currently living or acting and I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go to the direction to what the instruction is in the word of God. So I really believe that this message is less about women needing to submit or follow. I really do believe it's for so long, us guys, we, we maybe have not done a good enough job leading our wives. 
because I have a sneaking suspicion that our wives would have no problem, which by the way, my wife has a, does a great job following my lead, even for my shortcomings. But I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to align my life to the, to, to the word of God because the world is looking for signposts. The world is looking for, for things that indicate, is this true? Is there power in Jesus? Is there power in this? And one of the best things that we can show the world is a marriage that represents how Jesus connected with his body, his church, how he gave himself, sacrificed himself for his bride, the church. And we can model that in our marriages. Next week, we're going to be sharing part two of this and we'll dig a little deeper. But I want us to one, feel, make sure that you, none of you feel any condemnation whatsoever if you've walked through a divorce. Don't, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Plain and simple, period. If you've walked through a divorce, you're loved, you're accepted, you're forgiven. You can walk in freedom. I felt this morning that there um, might be a couple of you in this room this morning that have started to entertain in your heart divorce. And Jesus is reminding you that that's not an option for you because it doesn't adequately describe and show the way that Jesus came and loved his church. He desires unity. He desires reconciliation. He desires a second chance. That's what he did for us. We fall short time and time again, but there's always Jesus saying, I'm willing to take you back. I'm willing to take you back. I'm willing to take you back. I will love you. I will go to the cross for you every single time over and over again because I love you so much. It's the power of Christ that lives in us. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a great marriage, yes. But I believe the great marriage, we need to contend for it. But we also need to leave this. What Jesus said to us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said that to us. And some of you need to go home to your spouse today and say, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. It might be hard. It might be hard. but it's right to not get a divorce. God's grace is sufficient for you. For those of you who are maybe not talking about divorce, but yet you realize that you've got an okay marriage, but maybe, just maybe, if you're like me, there's some room for improvement. Would you take this message seriously and ask the Lord, what do I need to do to to act like Jesus with my spouse if you're a guy girls what do you need to do to respond to your husbands in a way that we would respond to Jesus I'm not saying men you're Jesus we know that's not true 
Wives, nudge your guy and say, you're not Jesus. I want you to act like him, but you're not him. Can we just close our eyes for a moment? Father, I just pray over this room right now. I pray your Holy Spirit would come and minister to hearts. Father, for those couples that have um, considered the D word, let them solidify in their hearts and minds right now that's not an option. Father, I do know that there's circumstances if there's abuse. Father, there's times of separation. I understand that. I'm not asking people to stay in an abusive situation. Father, for the rest of us also, for our young people who are not yet married in the room, I pray that they would hear this, that they would look for a godly man or woman when they get married. The Bible is very clear to not be unequally yoked. So, Father, I pray that they would search out and they begin praying for their spouse, future spouse now, Lord. Lord, that they would understand how they are to live, that that, this marriage is going to be a representation. It's going to be a, a marker to the rest of the world of how much you love this world and it's going to be a reflection on our marriages. It's going to be a reflection in our marriages. Oh God, I just pray. For those that have walked through divorce, that, Father, there's healing. Father, they would not pick up any condemnation whatsoever, but there's healing, Lord Jesus, because it is so painful. That separation, that ripping and tearing was never meant to take place. So, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close in a song, I I, I want us just to... um, Respond the way that you need to respond. You can stay sitting, you can stand, whatever it is, but, but allow it to be a, a time that the Lord can minister to your heart. We know his presence is here, and he's faithful to minister to us, but he wants to speak to us. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 